I'm really pleased you've joined us uh, this morning for Church Online. Uh, what a blessing. Thank you. Of course, things have changed around Willow Park Church. You're online. Uh, on lawn has come to an end. And also the drive-in. Because, yes, uh, this weekend is the first weekend when we can gather in person. So we're having services, of course, at 9 a.m., 11 a.m. and 5.30. So... We're excited about that. It'd be nice to preach to a live audience, to be honest, and to feel the feedback. It will feel amazing. You know, when you preach to 50 down below and 50 up above, it's going to feel really good. Anyway, you'll get a feel of that as we proceed in our service and as we continue, because we'll go live to that message and enjoy all that God wants to teach us. We continue the process of teaching about the work of the Holy Spirit. I'll be speaking about the role of the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament and how Jesus also taught about the role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and how that thinking changed with the day of Pentecost. Really interesting and very powerful message for us as Christians living today, what the Lord is asking from us. So as we begin our service, let me pray and I'll ask that the Lord will bless us and encourage us right now. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather in this way. Thank you, Lord, for each individual and family member who is joining us online. And I pray, Lord, that through the preaching of your word, whether at Highway 33 or whether in uh, the mission, I pray, God, that the messages will be clear and powerful. I pray that wherever we are in our own journey and our walk with you, that through today's service, we will take one step closer to you. We will connect with you. That, Lord Jesus, you will become close to us and meet with us, Lord, I pray. How good it is when we can gather together. And, Father, I pray for those that will be gathering in person today, throughout the different sites and in the different venues, for the children in Sunday school and for all the opportunity we have to greet each other and to bless each other. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with your church across the city as the city starts to open up. The different churches that are running different events. And I pray, Lord, for our province at this time. Lord, our province is also being shaken by the really heart-wrenching news of 215 children, unmarked graves being found at a site in Kamloops. And Lord, our heart breaks for this narrative, for this story, for what has been revealed. And Father, I pray for those that have each been touched by grief and by shock and by sorrow, that Lord, you will come in this, this time of profound pain, profound sorrow, as the kind of darkness of Canadian past is being revealed. May we know as a church how to respond. May we know as Canadians how to respond in your love and in your healing grace, I ask. 
how we respond in action and the things that we should say and do to support our indigenous community, Lord. Help us, I pray. And Lord, we do, um, we do humble ourselves before you. We do, Lord, sometimes we do not have words to speak. And often our prayers are simply groans and sighs and tears. And Lord, I feel like that as I read the newspapers, as I listen to people sharing their stories who have been residents of these homes and they tell of their own experience. Lord, it makes me grieve and groan and I feel the pain in their story. So Lord, help us as a province, help us as a nation, help the faith community, the church to respond in the right action, in the right way, I ask in Jesus' name. And we pray for our brothers and sisters and for our families and all those in Kamloops as they become uh, the center of focus. I know, Lord, many pastors there and I pray that you'll give them wisdom for the church community as they respond. I know they're looking at different ways. And for the Lord, uh, the First Nations community there, Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus. May your comfort and your peace. May you meet, Lord, that community with your love, I ask in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm sure you're like me. You've been reading the papers and watching the news and taking time to process and reflect on all the information. I've been having lots of conversations with young adults. I've been trying to connect with people I know who, um, who heritage is from um, uh, Aboriginal community and just trying to listen and sense uh, our hearts cry as Christians, which is also always love and grace and listen to the narratives and the stories that have been told. So as we worship together, uh, why don't you take extra time to pray uh, into these uh, national issues and as you Open God's words, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in your prayers and in your thoughts as well. So bless you. And as we step into worship, may you find the peace and the presence and the guidance and the teaching of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Good morning, Wheel Apart Church. Thank you so much for coming. As we go through this Holy Spirit series we are we are looking to the holy spirit to place us towards jesus and in that the power of the holy spirit breaks bonds and it and it brings healing and miracles and shatters addictions and brings revival and this song is a new song but i want to celebrate what god is doing even though it seems like he may not be doing something or things may not be looking how we want them we want to pray for a revival we want to pray his healing spirit and Jesus would heal this land. So let's sing together.
could it be that a move of God is coming? Can you feel all the ground beneath us shaking? Let it be this day on earth, cause we're all kingdom dreamers. Could it be we'll see miracles and healings as we pray? Shatter all addictions Let it be this day on earth Cause we're all kingdom dreamers God let your will be done Heaven come down God let your fire fall Heaven come down We sing a kingdom song Open up the gates we can see the kings coming Could it be We will stand here undivided And we'll see Your holy church united Let it be this day on earth Cause we're all kingdom dreamers Could it be Darkness will be silent on our streets. There'll be peace instead of violence. Let it be this day on earth. Cause we're all kingdom dreamers. Don't let your will be done. Heaven come down. God let your fire fall. Heaven come down. We
see your kingdom coming. The darkness will be silenced in our streets. There'll be peace from the violence. We see your spirit reign and we'd see your love wash over us, Jesus. We do ask for a renewal of your spirit. A renewal in our hearts and a renewal in our minds and a renewal in our lives that we would worship you and see your kingdom come.
Spirit pushes us to Jesus, to understand the power in the name of Jesus. And your Spirit living in us proclaims your name, Jesus, and we are so grateful for that. As we go through this service, as we go through our time, we just ask that your Spirit rest in us, placing us, blowing us towards your Son, Jesus, to know you, God, more, more intimately. Well, we're going to step now after that worship time into uh, communion. So if you would like to gather your emblems and be ready to pray together and to think about all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done. But what a way to finish. What a beautiful name. The name of Jesus. Everything we're about And everything we want to reflect is Jesus. I don't know how often you read the Gospels, but we should submerge ourselves into the Gospels because we see the the life that Jesus lived, the things he spoke about, his reaction to religion, his reaction to power, his reaction to money, his reaction to injustice. Of course, the clear message of the Gospels is that Jesus came as Messiah. And he came with a mission, and that was to rescue humanity from its brokenness. As I've already spoken about at the beginning of the service, we are seeing the darkness of humanity and the pain. The stories we're hearing, and it reminds us, That Jesus always came to the most vulnerable, to the weak, and to the broken. Jesus himself said to his disciples in the boat one day when they're in the Sea of Galilee that they need to be careful of the yeast in the bread of those who are of the Herodian set, the Greek Jews, and the yeast of the Pharisees. Because it can affect us. It can come to us and it can pollute our lives. Uh, What were the Greeks about? Or the Greek Hebrews, really. The house of um, Herod. They were about power. They were about oppression. They were about supremacy. That they were above everybody else. That they were the elite ones. So Jesus never really engaged with that class. He never went to their cities. He never went to Roman cities per se. He kept to the hills of Galilee and the villages and to Jerusalem where the temple was and small outlying villages like Bethany. And of course the Pharisees, well... They represent everybody who thinks they've got it together religiously and yet they've now got a heart of stone. And I think the one thing we mustn't do is allow ourselves to become intoxicated by our own power and wealth and position. Or become intoxicated by our own religious righteousness. 
I often say we are all recovering Pharisees. I don't know if there's a support group for recovering Pharisees. But there's a support group for many other people in recovery. But I think I'd probably need to join a support group for recovering Pharisees at times. Because I can too fall into the mistake of being religious and not being led by the beauty of scripture and the teachings of Jesus and Christ's spirit within my own life. And I remember clearly that the reason the Lord Jesus Christ came and was nailed to the cross was to die in my place because I'm a condemned wretched sinner who needs salvation. So the bread, dear friends. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the body of Christ. Which was broken for me. Thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed me. You have paid the price through your body broken and through your blood. Take a moment and examine yourself. And ask, is there any way, anything I need to confess? Scripture says, examine yourself before you take communion. The body of Christ broken for you, eat it in remembrance of him. It is a strange thing to talk about the blood of somebody, the blood of Jesus. It was a strange language for me to learn when I first became a Christian in my mid-teens. I had to have it explained. I had to understand it. And I realized very quickly that it was, it was that sacrificial act of God's love the blood of animals and sacrifices throughout the ages never could atone for the universal problem of sin. It took God himself, who is eternal, to deal with the universal problem of sin by dying in our place and being our substitution. I can only say that that message changed the rest of my life truly changed me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can take away our sin. We sing that. So friends, please, the blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world, drink it and remember him.
Amen. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're going to go over now to the Willow One News and hear all that's going on with Willow Park Church. Uh, we're unstoppable. We'll keep moving forward. And we're going to step into the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Enjoy your message and be blessed. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us at Church Online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. We are so happy to welcome so many of you back to our church buildings. We have indoor and in-person services at each of our locations, and our service times have also changed. Please check your emails from us for details on how to register each week. You can also visit our website for more information at willowparkchurch.com dwell. We are now offering in-person kids' church at both our Rutland and Mission locations. In Rutland, it's age 4 to grade 5, and in the Mission, it's birth to grade 5. Because Kids Church now coincides with some of our new dwell services, we will need you to register your kids each week. Kids Church Online will no longer be available while we work towards the opening of all of our classrooms and locations. We look forward to seeing you in person. Visit our website at willowparkchurch.com slash kidschurch for all of the details. Speaking of Kids Church, we are now looking for Kids Church volunteers at all of our locations. Join the Kids Church team by signing up today at willowparkchurch.com slash kidsteam. Registration is now open for our in-person kids camp happening this summer, July 26th to 29th. This half-day camp will be lots of fun for kids age 4 to complete a grade 4. But that's not all. We're also running a preteen adventure camp for kids who have completed grade 4 or 5. This camp is happening in the afternoons on July 26th to 29th and will include activities at the church as well as an off-site adventure every day. Register today. This summer, you are invited to our Willow Park Church campout happening at Pines Bible Camp. Camping is available July 5th to 16th, and we will have special activities for all ages planned for the weekend of July 9th to 12th. We still have some camping spots available, but register today as space is limited. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. It's always a joy to be uh, able to share the Word of God with you. And, uh, and if you are watching online and you're watching on YouTube a little later on, just a special warm welcome to you. We're so grateful for the number of people who do uh, watch each week. It's amazing. The reach of the church has actually increased since we've uh, put a large focus on our online ministry. So thank you for doing that. Uh, today is the first day that we're actually being able to meet inside, I think for almost eight months, give or take. And so uh, we're excited to be able to gather at the 11 a.m. service. And then next week, we're going to have a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. service. And you are able to, actually, you're able to register right now. So if you go to willowpartchurch.com, 
You can register for our in-person gatherings. We would love to see you. Uh, I think people are desperate to get back together and enjoy uh, just praising God and being around people, just being around normal life. And so you can register right now uh, for next week. So we really encourage you to do that. Before I turn to the Word of God this morning, I've got some pretty uh, difficult news to share with you. Uh, Last summer, I had a lovely couple visit us from Mexico, um, Irva Marie, and and they came uh, as missionaries to Mexico. They're Canadian, and uh, their daughter Leah... Uh, had, had been having some significant struggles, and uh, and Leah and Marie and Irv watch online each week, which is why I'm giving a, a special mention to them, and we're very grateful for that. But uh, Leah had a an amazing uh, turnaround a few months ago. She was a long way from Jesus, and just had a complete kind of prodigal experience, I guess, came back to Jesus, was passionate about prayer and talking about God and talking about Jesus, went to our young adult group, had been meeting with Nicole on a regular basis, going to church on lawn at 33, just really full-on, passionate, loving Jesus. Uh, unfortunately, the day before yesterday, Leah was involved in a, in a car accident and was tragically killed. Um, She's 25, and you know when Nicole shared this with me, I just I just did not know what to say. It's so so difficult. Our hearts go out to the family, to Irv and Marie. We just we want to pray for you in a second. We know that you watch us each week, um, and we were just chatting about it, and it's obviously just beyond tragic, heartbreaking. Um, just in the prime of a life, and Leah just being full on for Jesus and starting a new life in hope, and. Um, and then for this to happen, and yet so grateful that we can actually literally live in spiritual hope, knowing that she is enjoying her time with Jesus, who she'd fallen in love again with, and, uh, and we're so grateful as Christians that we can have that hope. And I know that, Irva Marie, you will be really anchoring into that. So we do want to pray for you, and, and I also know, having chatted with Irv. Uh, and Marie, that they would want us to continue to preach the word, to focus on Jesus, which is exactly what we're going to do, but know that our hearts and our minds are 100% with you in this incredibly difficult time. So church family, pray with me now and continue to pray uh, for Irva Marie and the family and, uh, and also the young adult group that Hannah and Chad lead uh, because Leah was connected there, and so there's lots to pray for. So join with me now as we pray, and then we'll jump into the Word of God. Dear Lord, we, uh, we close our eyes and we put our attention on you, because, Lord, we know that not only do you hear us, but you empathize with us, and you are with us, and you are the advocate. You are interceding on behalf of us right now at the right hand of the Father And so, Lord, we thank you that we do not come just saying empty prayers, but we say prayers knowing, Lord, that they make a difference and they change things. Lord, our our heart this morning is that you would be the the God of comfort, that Holy Spirit, you would counsel and comfort Irva Marie in their in there, just in their morning. Lord, so thankful, Lord, for the way that you drew Leah to yourself, that she had such a beautiful and remarkable experience of you in these last few months. And so grateful, Lord, that she is now with you in your kingdom. Um, Lord, we do pray in this moment of mourning and pain that there will be a tremendous sense of your presence and your love around that family. 
And so, God, I know that I stand uh, firmly with this family, knowing, Lord, that the word of God was precious to them. And so, Lord, we, I, I just pray you would give me the ability now to be able to share the word of God in an effectual way. And, Lord, I'm thankful that your word never returns to you void. And uh, We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. We love you. Amen. 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 So we've been going through a series. I think this is part six of the Holy Spirit called Power Up. And uh, we've been looking at the theology and the, uh, the practice and the personality of the Holy Spirit. We've had this amazing journey of examining who he is and what he does and how he's part of regeneration and bringing in Genesis moments into our lives of new creation. And, and this is, these are amazing, uh, amazing theology and doctrines that we can read about in the New Testament. And as we continue through this series, we wanted to make sure that it became very practical. So a couple of weeks ago, I shared about being filled with the Spirit, what we believe as a church and what we believe that the Bible says about being filled with the Spirit on a day-to-day, on a continual basis. And that was really encouraging. And thank you for so many of you for reaching out and uh, just encouraging me in that. That was such a blessing. And, uh, and last week, Pastor Jeremy was speaking through some of the fruit of the Spirit and the outworking of the Spirit. So this week, we're, we're very much talking about the Holy Spirit, but we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit changes us. So the, the, the word that we would use uh, for us as we become more and more like Jesus, which is ultimately our goal and our aim and God's goal and aim for us, is called sanctification. And, and I like to remind us of these important words because often they get, they get lost as we, as we move through our new culture and our, and our generation, that these theological words are so powerful and so important. So how does the Holy Spirit bring sanctification in our lives? How does he bring change? And so we're going to be looking at all sorts of different things, uh, varying subjects, everything from, uh, from, from being, uh, looking at our society's need for instant gratification, all the way through. We're even going to be mentioning acorns and eels. So it's, it's going to be an eclectic sermon, but my hope and my prayer is that Jesus will be made known and that the Holy Spirit will be someone that you will le- uh, look to and seek out on, uh, on a daily basis because you'll be encouraged by the amount of change that is possible uh, by having a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. So we all have, I think, if we were to write down, if we were to spend some time journaling, I think we would all write down a list of shoulds, that things that we know we should be. We, we know that we as Christians should be more like Jesus. We know we should be uh, more prayerful. We should be encouragers. We should be maybe less angry or less frustrated. We should be more content with our life, that we should be less annoyed. We, should be, uh, we shouldn't be coveting other people's wealth or possessions. This long list of shoulds, and, and, they, and they're very real for us. They create a tension inside. And, and in Romans 7, Paul, Paul really speaks about this. He says, I, I know the way that I should be, and I'm not able to do it. And, and there's this tension. We also have a list of shoulds in, in the type of people we want to be, the, the type of uh, parent we should be, or spouse that we want to be, or friend, or church member, or whatever it might be. And for myself, 
I, I'm constantly in the tension of knowing or feeling like I should be a better pastor, that pastoring is one of those callings, and we all are called to different, to different things, different ministries. My ministry includes pastoring uh, this church at the south, and, and I'm constantly feeling I should be doing a better job, whatever that looks like. And, and so it, it can actually create uh, some tension in our lives at, at best, and at worst, it can actually result in us resenting our lives because we're, we're not actually who we think we should be, um, that we resent what we've become, or we resent other people who seem to be being better at what we feel we should be better at. And so this resentment can build and, and this creates a pretty miserable place to be, that we know where we ought to be because God in his grace has given us a sense of something better and yet we feel powerless in how to get there. So what we do is we tend to look at other things in our lives, other more controllable things to try and bring relief to this tension, uh, whatever that tension might be, whatever that should might be. But I want to just spend a few minutes just looking at why we feel this tension. Why do, we, why do we resonate in Romans 7 with what Paul says is that I know the way that I ought to live and I'm not able to live. And why is it we feel this way? How is it? And, and I want to encourage you and also challenge you a little bit in the first part of the message as we move then towards how do we relieve some of this tension? How do we find hope? Because as we read the scripture, and in particular one passage that I want to center on this morning, there, there's two ways that we can go. Some scriptures, if we read them or reflect on them in an inappropriate way, or we act upon them in an appropriate way, can actually crush us. Uh, and this, this passage is one of those passages. If we don't read it in its context, can actually create a lot of, um, a lot of shame and guilt, and it can crush us. But actually, what this passage is, is incredibly hope-filled. Uh, let me read it to you. You can find it in Second Peter, uh, in chapter 1, in verses 5 through to 8. It says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Okay, so now we're going to get a list of the shoulds. This is how we should be as Christians. This is how we should be, even as human beings, whether you maybe don't kind of see yourself as a Christian right now, you're just listening in, well, this is still a list that is really relevant. I think that everybody would say we need more of what Paul is about to, uh, sorry, what Peter is about to uh, list for us. So add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. So this passage, if we look at this as a list of things just to do, it can crush us. Because let's be honest, it's not every day that we're full of perseverance. We're not always uh, affectionate or loving to our brothers and sisters or our friends. We're not always showing love. We're not always good. We're not always showing self-control. And so this passage can be crushing if we make it terminate on our own ability to actually be able to see changes in these aspects of our lives. But actually, if you look at the first few verses, it says this, for this very reason, 
For this very reason. So what is it that Peter's referring to? This is where the hope floods in. Because look in verses 3 through to 5. His divine power. Whose divine power? This is God's divine power. Has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now I read that through really quickly. Can I encourage you to take this passage this week in your own time. And read through it slowly and start piecing some of the sentences together. What Peter is telling us is that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then later on, that we may be partakers of the divine nature. And then let's go back to that previous passage. For this reason. So because you have the divine nature, because you are partakers through Jesus Christ, you can experience these things in your life. That's good news. So it takes the crushing element off this verse and actually injects this hope and championing sense that you can do this. Now, whether you are doing it is very different from whether or not you can do it. Um, And so that's what we're going to be looking at today because there's two edges to this verse. First of all, it is very, very encouraging. It's encouraging to know that when you believe in Jesus, you become partakers of the divine nature. Now, we can read over that really quickly without kind of just taking a moment to understand the enormity of Peter's statements. That he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that when we believe in Jesus, and Jesus is Lord of our lives, then we become partakers of his divine nature. So let me explain this a little bit in a way that hopefully makes it land for you. When you become a Christian, you are your DNA, if you like, changes. Your nature is what scripture refers to it changes. And we talked about that a few weeks ago when I spoke about regeneration and and how God creates a genesis never being seen before moment in your life when you become a Jesus, uh, Jesus follower and the old is gone and the new has come. That is regeneration. And in that moment called conversion, when you are converted, you become a partaker of the divine nature. So when you meet my children and you look at Sarah and I and you spend some time with my children, what you're going to start picking up on is family traits. You're going to pick up on the fact that they have been given their family's genetic material. Some from Sarah's side, some from my side. And even you can actually, if you look at Zoe, I can see my mum in Zoe. It's this amazing genetic DNA code that has been placed inside of us from our family that really determines who you are tracking to become. A silly example of this is that I've noticed that, that Luke and Jack tend to even have the same little mannerisms of me. Now, you might say, well, that's because they're around me a lot and there's an environmental cause. And that would be fair. But there are other things that are really interesting of what they look like and how they act and their personality. Zoe has a very similar 
character and personality to me. We, I, just, I just get her, and uh, we have the same sense of humor that can get us both in trouble. I, I just understand where Zoe's coming from immediately. And, and then Luke, you spend time, and Sarah would say, well, I see some of my, as in Sarah's side of the family, one of her, her uncle's character and nature. You can see that in Luke. It's amazing how this DNA, DNA uh, genetic code actually determines who we're going to be. And so this, this same, same principle is the same when it comes to when you were converted. So stay with me. Remember the question we're asking is why do we feel tension in the, in the gap of the, we, what we know we should be and what we actually are. Why do we feel this tension? It's because we actually, when you become a Christian, the DNA of God is placed in you, and the rest of that, your life is the outworking of that DNA. So when Paul says, uh, sorry, when Peter says, I'm going to get this right in a minute, when Peter says his divine life has granted to us all things that pertain to life, that's great news. You have been given, if you are a Jesus follower, you have been given a divine nature where now you are tracking in a different uh, way towards becoming more like Jesus. And so what Peter is actually saying here in, in kind of a more modern language would be this. What more do you need? You already have everything you need to live exactly the way that you know you should. You have everything you need. This is really encouraging. So when we pray for more of love and joy and peace and patience, and we have that inside of us. We have the ability. We have that divine nature. And that's where the tension is created because when we don't live out our genetic coding, our divine coding, when we don't live that out, that's where we start feeling uncomfortable. So in very practical terms, when you stray away from Jesus... When you stray away, when you drift away, we would call it backsliding. When you backslide or you're not living in a way that is in alignment with God's best for you, if you're a Christian, there is a massive tension. It's miserable. You are a miserable sinner. You might be partaking regularly in, in, in habitual sin and it is miserable because you know there's a better way. That's because the Spirit of God that lives in you is, is kind of rubbing against, bashing against the habit or the sin that is inside of you. That's where there's that tension from. So when you feel like that, I should be, you feel that tension because encouragingly you have the DNA of God in you. Parents, if your children are struggling, you just say, oh man, they've just strayed so far. If there's a tension and a struggle in them, be encouraged. Because if that tension and struggle is there, it is a sign that the Spirit of God has changed them and they are being miserable sinners. Be encouraged by that. That's wonderful. The second edge of this verse, though, is actually a little bit of, uh, a little hard to hear. Because not only is it gives us hope for change, Peter is saying this, you've got no excuse. You've got no excuse. So all those excuses that we build up as to why we are not the type of person we should be, we actually, there are no excuses. Well, if this was different, or that was different, or if this person was different, or if my life was different, or if the place I lived was different, or my program was different, or my school was different, or my class was different, my group of friends was different. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And what Peter is saying, that when you have the divine nature, you are without excuse. Without excuse, 
when it comes to those areas of your life where there is tension. So it's great news, but there's tension. What more do you need? You've been given everything you need to live a life of godliness. So there is no excuse. It also means there's no wound too deep, no sin too ingrained, no brokenness too devastating that is beyond the reach of God being able to change. Because God's best for you is not just so that you might know Jesus or believe in Jesus, but that you might have life in his name, this everyday life. And what many of us do, and many Christians do, is they stop at the first half of this verse. This is right at the end when John is describing that all these things about Jesus have been written, that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, that you might believe and become a Christian, a Jesus follower, the Son of God. But it doesn't stop there. Because by believing that you may have life, life more abundantly, that you might have a godly life, a life that reflects Jesus, that those shoulds in your life are actually becoming reality in your experience. That freedom is in you. That community impact is in you. That it doesn't matter what your character and personality is like. That you have the ability inside of you, this divine ability to bring change and be changed. That his encouragement is in you. So this verse strips away our excuses while at the same time giving us tremendous hope that you can see change in your life and that you cannot point to reasons why it's not happening because we have to start with me. Great news, Glenn. Bring the change on. Let's see it happen. And so then I now change gears and I say change is coming. Change has happened when you become a Christian. Sanctification, this ongoing change, is gradual. And we do not like that word. We do not like it. Because we live in an impatient culture. We live in a society of now, of the instant. Instant gratification. Instant, I I want stuff now. We want to touch button access to the change of God. We want voice commands. We want, we can get instant money, instant answers, instant news, instant notifications, instant entertainment, instant gratification, instant success. That is the world we live in. You know, and I don't know about you, but I remember dial I remember many years, maybe about 25 years before internet really uh, became part of the culture that we live in now. I remember that, but I remember the first modems. They were just so slow, so bad. Um, And, you know, the dial-up, and it was this analog signal. It was weird, and it was old, and it was slow. If you can imagine now, parents, if you said, hey, you know what, kids, we're going to go back to the old modems, buckle up. They would, it would just be like brains imploding. Like, how did you live at that speed? Actually, quite well, to be honest. Even before the internet, we, things, life was slower. And so technology, I talk about technology a lot because it's so part of our culture, has brought many, many good things. But one of the things that it's brought is it's changing our culture because there's this desire for instant. This instant. Because really, everything you want, you're going to have instantly. Now, you could argue with me and go, well, yeah, but, you know, some of those elements of life that we really need for human flourishing, you can't have instantly. And I would love that conversation, and I completely agree with you. But let's just start thinking like a teenager or a young adult or even some of the older millennials. By the way, millennials are now 40, 41 years old. 
So uh, don't think millennials are young kids. They're not. Those are Gen Zs. And I mean, even those, there's even a whole new generation coming through, or the linksters that have never known anything other than the internet. So let's just start thinking in that way, some of our older friends. Let's just start thinking a little bit that everything that you really feel you need, you can get. And that is very empowering, but also very troubling. And it's actually having impact in our culture. So I don't know if you knew this, but you no longer need to have that awkward moment where you ask somebody of the opposite sex out for a date. You remember that? I, I remember when I was a kid just having the heart palpitations. Remember with, Zoe, uh, with Sarah, with the heart palpitations, and, you, and you're like, oh gosh, I'm going to ask her out for a date, and you get a bit sweaty, and you're like, hey, uh, you know that awkward moment where you actually have to learn social interaction and so that that progresses towards having a relationship? Well, actually, what we now is if you want, if you want a date, you just swipe next person, next person, next person, that we actually have apps where you don't need to feel awkward to end up going on a date with somebody. So that process of learning about yourself and the other person, it's, it's speeded up. That actually young people we see now are having less and less meaningful friendships. The, the result of that is really interesting. Teenage pregnancies are going down, which we would say is a good thing. Actually, less teenagers year over year are partaking in, uh, in, in sex than ever before. Like, it, it's amazing how it's reducing. We would celebrate that. But you've got to ask the question, why? And I'm not saying that this is a, this is a bad thing, but the question, reason is why instant gratification in other ways. They don't need to. They can just put on porn. They can do whatever they need to do in order to get that instant gratification. So they're not looking to the opposite uh, in, in order to have sex. They're... they're they can get it instantly. It's changing our culture. It's changing our thinking. You don't have to feel like awkward anymore in relationships. You can just have instant relationship. Relationship. Is it really relationship? That's a whole other sermon. But this instant gratification in the middle of our culture, you become a Christian. You become a Christian. Young person, you become a Christian. In the middle of this culture of instant, you become a Christian and everything slows down. That your DNA has changed, but your constant changing is gradual. The Holy Spirit changes your life gradually. And you need to be patient with yourself. Parents, you need to be patient with your kids. You need to be gentle to them as you are gentle, I hope, to yourself. That you need to be gentle to yourself. That these shoulds that you might have in your life, that Jesus is dealing with them. And I can show you in just a second how that happens and what we can do uh, to see that happen. But this instant change just doesn't happen. It's not normative. Yes, people can be released from all sorts of ailments instantly when they become a Christian. And that's wonderful. But that is not normative. What is normative is gradually becoming more and more like Jesus. Becoming more and more like him. Being sanctified and being changed like him. A good way of looking at it is actually one of the scriptures that is an important one to remember is Paul saying, uh, sorry, I'm still getting this wrong. Peter's saying, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. How fast does a baby grow? As fast as it is, it is genetically wired to do so. We, we don't get disappointed if the baby's not doing calculus by six months. It's not dunking basketballs by a year. It's going to grow up. It's going to take its time. And that's a good thing. 
And it's the same with a new Christian. And it might be the same with you. You know, uh, in my front yard, I've got this tree that is causing us some problems because it's, it's a big tree. It's, the tree trunk is maybe 12 to 18 inches wide now. And, uh, and what it's doing is it's starting to lift our front yard. The roots are starting to lift our front yard. And I'm actually surprised that it's not started to lift the sidewalk that goes off in front of our house because it's right next to it. And, and I'm sure you've all seen sidewalks in cities that have lifted and cracked because the tree next to it is, is kind of lifting it with its roots. Now, let's just say that tree is an acorn. Uh, it's an oak tree. Now, if you got an acorn and started bashing my front yard with it, it's not actually going to be that destructive, if at all. If you start bashing the sidewalk with it, the acorn is going to get destroyed before the pavement. But you plant that acorn, given enough time, that acorn's strength will grow and grow and grow. Before you know it, it is breaking up the sidewalk. And so... And then the beautiful thing is, is that acorn actually produces other acorns. This is an amazing picture of the spiritual life. You might be trying to use your Christianity to bash something and break something, to change something, to see something, and you're forcing it and getting discouraged when it doesn't work. And you are bashing the sidewalk with an acorn. But plant that acorn. Plant and let it grow. Let your faith grow. Fuel it. Give it the right environment. Give it the right water. Give it the right food. And it is going to grow. And before you know it, it has impact on the environment that the acorn has been placed in. Your faith is going to have impact in the environment that it's been placed in. And it will start producing other uh, seeds of faith in other people's lives. So it is so important that we don't get frustrated with what we see as lack of growth in our lives. That just be gentle with ourselves. Give it time. We're moving now into a new period, God willing, of the church opening up again. I want to encourage you to give your local church time. That we, we're going to be going into a new, new chapter. We're not sure what it looks like. I'm going to do our very best to continue in, in the way that we seem to be tracking right now, which is opening up. But be patient with your local church. Be patient with the church that God has planted you in. That maybe your church, wherever it is that you're listening, it may not be Willow Park Church, may not be everything you want, and you want to see significant change. You want to see things change, and that's good. Well, first of all, let's not blame and give excuse. Well, if this church did this better, then that would be better. My kids wouldn't be straying if the youth group was better. Let's stop with the excuses and actually say, okay, as a parent, as a church member, I've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. How can I serve this church? And then give your, your church time to grow. Give it time. Let's not just skip churches. Let's not just move churches just because everything isn't lined up with our own personal preferences. Just because we'd maybe give it a three out of five on the stars. Let's stick with your local church. Stick with Willow Park Church. So encouraged by the way that people have done that over the last year. It's amazing. But as we open up, come back. Come back to church. Come back to your local church for reasons that I'm going to share with you right now. Because change is not just a, well, if it's a gradual change, do we just sit back and let God be God and not make any effort at all? Far, far from it. Look at these scriptures. Therefore, my brothers, this is after God, uh, after Peter saying about how all things pertain to life and godliness. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort 
to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things. And then later on he says in verse 5, for this reason make every effort. That word add, make every effort to add, literally means invest. And when you invest in something, you've got to pay a price. You take a risk. And this is where change, your effort combined with God's divine nature, really becomes powerful and transformative. And we stop at the effort. So there's something called the law of least effort. And it basically means when deciding between two similar options, we will naturally gravitate towards the option that requires the least amount of work. We are innately lazy, is basically what it's saying. And so anything that needs extra effort, we tend to avoid. Uh, we tend to do, the things that are, produce no fruit in our lives are the easiest to do. Think about it. What's easiest? Well, scrolling. Anything that's performed with least amount of effort, scrolling on Instagram or social media or Facebook, anything that takes next to no effort actually produces next to no fruit in your life. Let me say that again. Anything that takes next to no effort actually produces next to no fruit in your life, no change in your life. You are bashing an acorn against a sidewalk if you are not making effort. We want So the reverse of that is true. Things that actually take effort uh, are really powerful in our lives. And we are called to make an effort. So we want the outcome of the habits and the effort that we need to be making in our lives. But we won't want to develop the habit. Yeah, the habit's a little hard work, so I'm not going to bother with that. But I am going to complain if the outcome is not the way that I want it to be. You know, the effort of spending time with Jesus daily, every morning, oh, you know what, that's hard work. But then we complain when we don't feel close to God. Or the effort it takes to put into anything, we then find reason and excuse why the outcome is not the way we want it to be. And so this is very much the case when it comes to us working in our salvation. Or as in Philippians 2 it says, work out our salvation. Not work for our salvation, but work out our salvation. So I'm just going to choose really two habits that dramatically bring transformation, not in your own life only, but also in the lives of the people who are around you. Not just your loved ones, but your neighbors, your co-workers, the person you sit next to in the bus or whatever it might be. Two habits. And these two habits are the hardest habits to put into place. We will find every excuse under the sun why we can't do this. And while all the time resorting to the path of least effort and complaining that we don't have change and transformation in our lives. So what are these two habits? So, so simple. And I'm going to finish with these. Number one, the very expensive price. Remember, add means invest. The price you are paying is time. Time with God. Time is the most expensive thing we have at our disposal. We will spend hours doing useless things. Least effort things. Things that just don't actually produce fruit in our lives. It will absorb our time beautifully. What is the number one thing that Christians find hardest in their lives? Prayer and reading the Bible. Because no one's got time for that, right? No, actually that's not true. We've all got time for it. It's whether or not we value it enough to prioritize it. And so this effort of spending time with God 
will actually produce significant transformation and fruit in our lives. And it is the number one thing that is avoided by so many Christians. Now you might go, oh, this is really discouraging. Far from it. Because friends, the reverse is true. The more time you spend with God, the more transformation you will see in your life and the more transformation you will see in other people's lives. You are planting the acorn and you are watering it and you are letting it grow. If you do not spend time with somebody, your relationship with that person does not grow. You cannot grow a friendship unless you hang out with that person. You cannot grow a marriage unless you spend time with them. You are bashing the acorn against the pavement. That's what you're trying to do, and it is not going to work. Number one most important part, habit, effort that you need to make, that I need to make in order to see transformation and change in our lives is to spend time with God. And we have to win that battle. No excuses, friends. We have to win that battle. Number two, the price of vulnerability. So number one, I'm just giving you two. Number one, spending time with God. Number two, being vulnerable with other people. Peter mentions mutual affection in this passage, and it, and it actually means Philadelphia. It's this sibling friendship, sibling love, and siblings know each other well. They've had experiences together. They've had moments together. They've had time together. They've got a common history and experience. And so you have been given, Christian friends, a whole bunch of siblings And you have a common experience. His name is Jesus. You have a common history. His name is Jesus. You have a common love. His name is Jesus. And we need to make ourselves vulnerable in our relationships. And COVID has attacked this because it has dispersed us. And we get comfortable in our isolation, in our our just me, myself, and mine. But it is not conducive to growth. It is bashing the acorn against the pavement. If you want to see transformation and growth, you need to give permission for people to come into your lives and point out things and to share things and to encourage you. You need to make the effort. And friends, I know it's hard. Oh, I can't be bothered. I don't want to go. Isn't it easier if, yes, anything that is, doesn't produce fruit actually is easy to do. Yes, it is hard. Yes, it is hard to get to church. Yes, it is hard to get to community group. Yes, it is hard to call somebody and say, hey, can we, can we hang out? Sometimes we actually have to put our pride aside and we have to do it. Because between spending time with God and spending time with God's kids, that is the key to seeing change and transformation in our lives. You have to have some people in your life. Do you have people in your life who have got a hunting license? Not, not literally hunting, although that might be your thing, but a hunting license where they can hunt out things in your life that maybe you've missed and that before you actually stumble and fall, or so before you fall, they'll catch you while you're stumbling. Do you have people in that in your life? Do you have people in your life that you know, if you called them, that they would be on the next plane? Do you remember when we could fly places? But would be in the next plane to come and help you. Do you have that person in your life? Do you have that person in your life who loves you so much, they'll say, look, this is hard for me to say, but I love you too much not to say it. Do you have someone in your life that will genuinely celebrate with you when great things happen around you? Not, oh, great, and covetousness rises up, but genuine, yes, like it's happened to them. 
Do you have that person in your life? Do you have someone in your life where you could fulfill the one another's that the scripture talks about? Bearing one another's burdens, loving one another, spending time with one another, having fellowship with one another, the list goes on and on. Do you have that? Because if COVID has resulted in you isolating, there's a difference between spending time apart for health reasons and being good neighbors. But when we're increasingly able to gather, you have a choice. Well, I'm happy where I am. You're bashing an acorn against the sidewalk. Your growth will be diminished. It's like paddling around in a kiddie's pool when you could be in the swimming pool. No 40, 50-year-old guy should be in a kiddie's pool. Do you know what I mean? And that is what will result in because God says in his scripture, you have to make an effort. So what does that effort look like? In the middle of your list of shuds, that the Holy Spirit has given you everything you need to pertain to life and godliness. You are a partaker of the DNA of God, that you will never be comfortable while you are still stuck in the gap between the should and what you need to be. And yet God says, spend time with me. Spend time with one another. Look out biblical community and you will see transformation. Exhort one another daily. This is a beautiful moment that we have as we're opening up our churches and opening up our lives again. That what we could actually see happen in our communities. That you, in your love for God and your transformation, going out and going into your community and seeing impact and change. How does that happen? It starts with me looking to what I need to make an effort in. No excuses knowing that I have the ability in Jesus Christ to see change happen in my life, that I put time aside for God and I put time aside for people. Regardless of our age, we all have shoulds. What do those shoulds look like for you? What do those shoulds look like as you get older in life? And what effort are you making added to the ability that God has given you? What, what are you actually doing? What can we do together? We can see some amazing things happen in this church. We don't know what's happening with the building. doesn't matter. Because if we have a group of people who are connected to one another, who are connected to God, we can still see change in this community. Praise him. So that is the call this morning. Transformational change. That's my prayer for you. And so I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that God will maybe convict some of those areas that, that you need to see uh, change happen. But also that you would genuinely look at your life and look at the... We've talked about doing a habit um, um, audit. What is it you're filling your life with that actually results in you drifting away from God? And what efforts are you making to get close to him? Because he loves you and he cares about you and, you and you've been given everything through him and by him to live an amazing, amazing God-filled, godly life, Peter said. That's my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this passage. I thank you, Lord, that this passage is equally hope-filled as it is challenging. That we are without excuse. You've given us everything we need to be the type of people we know we should be. And that that in itself is an amazing promise that you, Jesus, you took my sin and my shame, took the punishment that I truly, truly deserved. And that sin and shame and punishment died. You took that justice and it died with you. But Lord Jesus, I thank you that it did not finish there. That in rising again, you gave me your divine nature, righteousness. I was justified before you. 
Thank you, Jesus, that every Christian who is listening to my words this morning has been placed on a different trajectory. But God, help us in those moments when we resort to the easy. Help us in those moments, Lord, when we are putting things in our life that ultimately produce no fruit. God, I pray your will be done in this church as it is in heaven. Your will be done in Kelowna as it is in heaven. That, God, there would be powerful change in our lives as we focus our attention upon you. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are merciful, you are kind, you are loving, and that, Lord Jesus, you showed so much grace to us. So I pray this week that, God, we would all put time aside on a regular basis to seek your face and to seek out the faces of our brothers and sisters who are in this church. Lord, I pray we will become stronger as we are transformed together. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. So next week, again, you can register right now, 9 and 11. You can come, and we'd love to see you. We have Kids Church as well with Courtney, and, uh, and that's going really well. So you can register right now. We'd love it for you to come and be part of our church community, and, uh, and that's really, really exciting for us, and we're praying around that. And also, just spend time this week, like I said, in those two areas, spending time with God, spending time with one another, And I am grateful to be part of this adventure called Christianity together. I know that we're going to see great things happen in this church. God bless.